Good evening, church. Welcome to another Wednesday night Bible study. It's exciting to be here once again with you all. My name is Enoch Jimenez, and it's always a privilege to, to be able to be here with you all. Tonight we'll be studying 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And so I'm excited. Uh, so as usual, let's go before the Lord in a word of prayer and ask the Spirit to lead and direct us. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son to die on the cross for us. And Jesus, we thank you that not only did you save us from our sins by shedding your blood and conquering death by resurrecting on the third day, but when you, leave, when you left to prepare those mansions for us, you did not leave us alone. You left your Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, thank you for being with us all day, every day, for being our guider, our, our guidance, our, our support, our comforter, our helper in our daily life. And you are also the spirit that leads us into all truth. So I ask you today, Holy Spirit, to lead us into the truth of your word and help us to gain discernment. Give us discernment of your word tonight so that we may learn what you want us to learn tonight, Holy Spirit. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, we ask this. Amen. Amen. All right, church. So tonight... Tonight, we're going to be going through, as I said, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And it's a, like I said, this is both a difficult but also a very encouraging chapter. Uh, we will once again be delving into eschatology like we did in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, because this is what, what this uh, chapter is about here in 2 Thessalonians as well. So, as a reminder, uh, eschatology is the study of the end times. Uh, eschatology. Eschatology comes from the Greek word eschatos, which means ending or final. And so therefore, eschatology is, of course, the study of the end times. And this includes everything from the rapture, the Antichrist, which we were talking about today, the new heavens, the new earth, the final judgment. It encompasses a lot. And it can be quite daunting, quite scary, but um, that's okay, church. Stay with me because there is hope. Um, so not long after Paul wrote this first letter, uh, his first letter to the Thessalonians, he got another report about the believers in Thessalonica. So Thessalonica is the city where obviously, right, the Thessalonians are in. And this report stated that the problems which Paul had addressed in his first letter not only persisted, but they actually intensified. And so the persecution of Christians became more severe, and there was still a lot of confusion about the return of Jesus. We saw in in uh, First Thessalonians, Thessalonians three, four, and five that Paul kind of tried to explain to the Thessalonian church what was going to happen during uh, the eschaton, right, the, the end times. But there was still a lot of confusion, and so as a result of all this, uh, Paul pens this short letter to address and clarify these issues once again. And so last week, we, uh, we covered chapter one, where we see Paul offering hope to the Thessalonians. And now in chapter two, Paul addresses some misinformation that had been shared concerning the, the coming of the Lord. So uh, someone, uh, we don't know who, 
someone in the church had claimed in Paul's name that the day of the Lord, in other words, the Lord's return, was at hand or had possibly already occurred. And so uh, this, of course, caused a lot of uh, fear within the Thessalonian church. You know, they were afraid that they were left behind. So, you know, in the midst of all this persecution, it's understandable that these types of situations would occur because, you know, when there is, when there's fear, when there, uh, when there's all this chaos around you, th there's a tendency to try to listen to that voice that offers hope, but that voice is not always correct. And so this voice wasn't correct. And so Paul was angered. He's like, no, no, no. Um, the Lord hasn't come yet. We'll know when, and give you some more clues about when he's coming and so um so the, you know this really angered paul and um and for paul you know this subject is one that never inspires fear this should be a subject that inspires hope and that inspires confidence because it's about the lord's return it's the lord coming back for us he uh, like i said in the prayer the lord didn't just leave us here orphaned he left the spirit and he went to prepare a place for us, as we see in John 14, and then he's going to come back. And so, <clears throat> so that's what um, we're going to be reading a little bit about today. Uh, and so without further ado, let's go ahead and open our Bibles to 2 Thessalonians. <clears throat> so uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting from verse 1. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together with him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a broken word, or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way. Remember, there was a lot of misinformation, so Paul is saying, let no one deceive you, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes a seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do, not do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but have pleasure in unrighteousness. So while we, we see a whole lot going on right here, right? This, uh, this man of lawlessness. So the, in short... Um, who is this man of lawlessness? It's it's the Antichrist. Um, and Paul details that, you know, he will bring chaos and he will unleash anarchy upon the earth. 
But church, I think that <clears throat> to truly understand who the Antichrist is and his role in the whole eschaton, that is the end times. Anytime you hear me say eschaton, we'll be referring to the end times. Um, we need to understand the sequence of events that will occur during the end times. So, uh, so a little dis um, disclaimer here. So today we'll be talking about uh, the whole that whole sequence of events, and this will be a very crash course because it's it's a lot, a lot. There are literally thousands of hours you can spend studying the the last times and. There are classes and classes at from bachelor's level to the master's level to the PhD level about eschatology. So what we're going to learn today is really but a tiny pinprick, and it will be the Assemblies of God point of view will be our church's point of view um, about Christ coming and Antichrist and everything that's going to occur in the end times. And so what's going to happen? Okay. So first of all, uh, we're going to be we're going to see signs that are gonna lead up to these events, okay? So they're gonna be events like the rapture, the tribulation, which I'll detail in a sec. But before all this occurs, there are gonna be signs, church, that we see, okay? So we see a lot of these signs in Matthew chapter 24. So if we head over there, this is what Jesus says. See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you'll be hated by all names for my name's sake. By all nations for my name's sake and then many will fall and betray one another and hate one another and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray and because lawlessness has increased remember remember that man of lawlessness because lawlessness has increased the love of many will grow cold but the one who endures to the end will be saved and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come so this last verse gives us one clue. The Lord Jesus is not going to come back until the gospel goes into every single corner of the earth. It's taught in every single corner of the earth. And of course, not the entire world will accept Christ into their hearts, but it will still be preached to every single corner of the world. And we see that that is rapidly approaching, even places like North Korea or, or China or you know these uh, these countries were very closed down and anti-religion. Even even in these countries, we already see that the gospel is reaching and that these underground churches are forming and growing uh, exponentially. And so that's one sign that the Lord is going to come. He says the gospel we preach to all the earth. Uh, what are we seeing right now in our current world uh, situation, church? We uh, wars and rumors of wars, right? Uh, look at what happened. This just past century, you know, we had World War One and World War Two. We had uh, all these famines um, that were occurring. So the signs are here, church. The signs are occurring. Israel, uh, we'll get to Israel in a second, but we see, you know, the nation of Israel forming and 
uh, I believe it was the 1950s or the 19, early 1960s, somewhere around there. And so these are all signs, you know, that the Lord Jesus pointed to right here that um, when you see these things, be ready, because that's when you know that I am coming. But these are just signs. No one knows for sure, for certain, when the Lord is coming, because later on we see that Christ says, uh, no one knows the day or the hour, but, but, but the Father. And so not even Jesus himself knows when he's coming. The Father's going to say one day, son, go, it's time. And then Jesus is going to come. But see, no one knows the day or hour, but we have these signs to point us and to kind of, I think, also encourage us to, to preach the, um, the word and for also for us to be prepared in our hearts for his second coming. And because uh, uh, we want to be ready, right? We don't want to be left behind when he comes back. And so there's a couple of signs. And of course, I, I can't get too much into depth here, but let's go on ahead. So once you see all these signs happening, the first event that's going to happen is the rapture. Boom. So the rapture is when Christ comes. And let me let me point something out clear. The rapture is not the second coming. OK, uh, there are two separate events for when Jesus comes back. The first is the rapture. OK, and as we learn in First Thessalonians 4, Jesus comes to earth, but he doesn't actually set foot on earth. He comes up into the clouds and the people, all the believers who are dead in Christ, they will be resurrected into their new um, incorruptible glorified bodies. And they'll be resurrected first and then they'll be caught up into heaven straight with Jesus. And right after them, uh, we who are alive and we're still alive when the Lord returns, we'll be caught up right after them. And so Jesus won't actually set foot here. He'll actually just come into like the atmosphere and call us up. And so that is uh, the rapture. And so immediately after the rapture, it'll be a time of chaos, okay? Because many of the believers, many of us believers will be gone, right? So, you know, a significant portion of, of the economies will probably be devastated because people who are in key positions left, you know, what if, what if there's... Uh, a pilot, airplane pilot, who's a believer, and all of a sudden he gets raptured, right? The airplane, of course, is going to come tumbling down. Uh, cars um, on the freeways, you know, all these things, all this, all this disappearance is going to cause some upheaval into the earth. And then this is just on top of where we are, we already read. So Jesus says they're already going to be signs, and this is kind of going to be like. Uh, the culmination of all those signs. And then worse things are going to happen after that. And so don't get scared on me, church. Um, uh, I'm, there's hope because Jesus is coming back for us. Amen. Um, so, <clears throat> so after all, in the midst of all this chaos that's occurring at that time, right? Uh, this is when the Antichrist is going to make his appearance, okay? And this will be a time what we call the Great Tribulation. So what the Great Tribulation is, uh, it's going to be a period of seven years, or at least it's believed to be seven years. And during the first three to three and a half years, it is believed uh, that the Antichrist will be saying, okay, there's, there's insecurity, 
there's fear, there's doubt, there's worry in the whole world, but I'm, you know, I'm the answer. I'm the savior. What did, uh, what did Paul say in first Thessalonians? He'll come, he'll establish himself as God. So he'll bring the appearance of peace. And we'll learn a little bit more about, uh, when we, uh, we'll learn a little bit more about the antichrist in a sec. Um, right now we're just going through the chronology of what's going to happen during the final times, but, uh, the Antichrist is going to come saying peace, peace, and so he's going to manage to re to unite the whole entire world. But then, what's going to happen? As we just saw, there's going to be lawlessness. So it's uh, the second half of those seven years. So the other three and a half years, those are going to be times of absolute, absolute chaos, church. And um, if you read Revelation, we'll read it in the, in a second. But if you read Revelation, you, you see all the all this, the the bowls and the trumpets that are unleashed upon the earth. And that's what's going to happen during that second half of the tribulation. And so at the end of the tribulation, all the nations will come against Israel. And of course, Israel are God's chosen people, right? So everyone um, being led by the Antichrist is going to want to come against Israel and destroy them. But what's going to happen? Well, the, that's when the Lord is going to come and he's going to save Israel, as we saw here, by the breath of his mouth. So we don't know if the Lord is going to just utter something and they're going to vanish. We don't know if there's going to be fire descending from heaven. Uh, it's most likely what's probably going to happen. We, we don't know for sure, but, <clears throat> excuse me, but the Lord will come. He will save Israel. and. A period of 1,000 years of peace is going to ensue after that. This is called the millennium, okay? Um, and so this, these 1,000 years is going to be a period of peace. The Lord is going to be coming. He's going to be reigning. And then once the 1,000 years are over, then the final judgment is going to come. And during that final judgment, uh, that is when we're all going to present ourselves, living, dead, we're all going to present ourselves before the Lord. And this is when the Lord is going to either say, well done, good and faithful servant, or the Lord is going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. Church, how many of you want to be part of that first group? I, I know I do. I, I want the Lord when, when he's taking roll call and I answer, here I am. I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so after that, after, you know, after the final judgment, when we're all before uh, Christ, of course, the, the good are going to stay with him. Those who did not know the Lord and who refuse to repent from their wicked ways, they're, of course, going to be cast into the lake of fire. And then the new heavens and the new earth are going to descend and we'll be with the Lord forevermore. And so... It, it's honestly real difficult. We, you can get so much into depth uh, into each of these topics, but for the sake of time, uh, that's the basic, basic chronological order of the end times, according to the Assemblies of God. So, um, so recap, it'll be, um, it'll be the rapture, then the great tribulation, and then, um, you know, the first three and a half years are going to be a time of peace. And then the other three and a half years are going to be a time of war and chaos and anarchy. And then 
Um, after that, the millennium. After the millennium will be a time of um, of judgment. After judgment, then um, the good are going to go with Christ. Those who rejected Jesus, they go fire. So that's basically, excuse me, that's basically it. Um, and so what is the Antichrist role in all of this? Um, well, as we saw in Second Thessalonians, he is the man of lawlessness. So this is going to be a time when, um, you know, like, you know, if you think things are bad now, church, th this is just a precursor. This is just the tip of the iceberg of what's going to happen in tribulation. Many uh, biblical scholars speculate that, no, you know, we're going through tribulation now because times in the world are difficult right now. But no, I think the Bible is quite explicit here when it says that there's going to be a future time when things are just going to be terrible, where uh, as Revelation says, people are going to be crying out for the mountains to fall on top of them to save them from the wrath um, of God that's falling upon them and the Antichrist. So let's let's delve a little bit into the Antichrist now into this man of lawlessness. And so to, to learn a little bit more of him, I think it's uh, it will be easier for us to go to the book of Revelation. And so uh, a lot of us kind of avoid this book, right? Because, wow, Revelation, man, I, I don't understand it. You know, it's a little creepy. But church, there's hope in this book. This is the combination of everything. Um, if we're in Christ, we have no need to fear about what's going to happen in this in this book. It, it should be an encouragement to us so that we can preach the gospel to those who don't know Christ, to our, to our family members, to our friends who don't know Christ. Because I know we wouldn't want them to, uh, to suffer through the Great Tribulation. And so this should be an encouragement for us. And this should be a hope, you know. That Jesus is coming back for us. And so uh, so this is why it's important to study these things. <clears throat> so let's, uh, let's go ahead and read Revelation 6, uh, beginning in verse 3. No, sorry. Verse 2. Well, let's just go ahead and start from verse 1. Now I watched when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, Come. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and its rider had a bow, and the crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. And so notice how he was given bows but no arrows, and um, he was given authority to conquer, and so he was also given a crown, and so... Um, some have speculated that this is Jesus, but this can't be Jesus because Jesus is king of kings. No one gives him a crown. Jesus already has the crown. Amen. Um, and so this is coming by permission of Jesus. So this has to be the Antichrist, in my opinion. And he came out to conquer and conquering. And so... <clears throat> let's go ahead and keep reading about the stuff that's going to happen once he takes power. So the first three years, 
it'll be three years of peace. He'll, he'll unite the world into, to believe that there's going to be a one world order. Um, that, you know, we already see signs of this. Remember, you know, the Lord already said there are going to be signs of this. Again, there's signs like the G12 summits and the G7 summits and the United Nations, these efforts by nations to come into one, uh, to be united. And so we're, we're already seeing precursors to what the Antichrist is going to come and do. And he, he'll have a much easier time of, of conquering if the whole world is united after him, which he will do by, you know, claiming that he is God and that he will have power, that he that he is the Messiah, but he's not. It's, it's just a, he's a false prophet. And so after this uh, three and a half years, when he established himself as God, um, this is when literally all hell is going to break loose. We're going to see, uh, let's go ahead and keep reading. Verse three, chap chapter six, verse three. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, come, and out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people should slay one another, and he was given a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the, living, the third living creature say, come, and I looked, and behold, a black horse, and its rider had a pair of scales in his hands, and I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. And so let's stop right there. So we're already seeing precursors to this church. So um, what are we seeing right now? In our grocery stores, inflation is going up by a lot uh, in our country, and especially in our in here where we are in California. And so the food prices are rising. And so... This is what we see that's going on here. Food prices are going to rise dramatically. And so what we're experiencing now, church, is, you know, we, you know, we think this is bad. This is, this is a pinprick compared to what's going to happen once the Antichrist comes and he unleashes all these things upon the earth. So let's keep reading. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, come. And I look and behold a pale horse and its rider's name was death and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with a sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. So now we see death. Um, what we just read is, you guys probably know it infamously as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So the, um, in my opinion, I, I think the first horseman is literal is it's, the Antichrist is going to come pretending to be God, but the other three horsemen are going to be more figuratively, as we see, it's going to be uh, war, pestilence, and death. So, uh, as we just, uh, as I just said, this inflation, the, the stuff that we're going through with, with uh, the price of groceries and other goods going up, this is just a precursor. Um, death. What do we see right now going on, church? In in the United States, we honestly we have it good. We barely suffer any uh, persecution here. But if you look at other places, look at all the devastation that's going on in the Middle East, that's going on in Africa, you know, all these are precursors. La last century, um, 
I was, a couple of weeks ago, I was reading uh, a report, I think it was from a professor at Stanford or Yale, it was a prestigious university. And he, he estimated um, after a lot of research that more people were killed in the 20th century, so this past century combined, than, than the previous 19th centuries combined. And so imagine if, if the first and second world wars and all the subsequent wars that happened that century um, were just precursors uh, to what's gonna happen. It, it's mind boggling, it's humbling church. And so again, this ought to be an encouragement for us to preach the word of God to those who we don't know because we want them to come to the knowledge of Christ, for them to experience the love, the joy, the patience that he has, all those fruits of the spirit. <clears throat> we don't want them to suffer through all these things that are going to happen. Um, and so uh, it's, it's humbling, it's terrifying, but at the same, same time, church, it's hopeful because guess what? At the end of the day, he's not going to stay on that throne forever. Because Christ will come and he will descend. And by the breath of his mouth, he will cast him into hell. And so how many of you are grateful for that? And so when, um, let, let's keep reading. Uh, we're going to jump ahead now to, uh, we're still in Revelation. Um, now we're going to go into chapter 13. And just a little side note here, if you ever read Revelation, know that it's not in chronological order. Uh, th this confuses a lot of people, which is why many also stay away from the subject. They, it's a little difficult to understand because it's not in chronological order. So I encourage you guys, you know, to take a class on this, to ask, reach out to your pastors, to your teachers, um, to kind of get a, a better sense of this. All right, chapter 13. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on his horns and blasphemous names on its head. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. One of his heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. And the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast, and they worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority <clears throat> excuse me, to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against Besides authority for 42 months, it opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given to it over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword he must be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. So church, uh, 
we see that the Antichrist is definitely, definitely not a nice people. He will, nice person, sorry. <clears throat> he, he will be evil incarnate, literally. And everything that he will do, everything that he will say will be against God. And so he will blaspheme uh, the name of Jesus. He will blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And we see that everything that he's going to do is going to be uh, something that will eventually lead to lawlessness. Even though he might feign peace in the beginning, eventually it will lead to lawlessness. And so uh, there's a lot of symbolism in this chapter, right? Um, we see in verse 1, a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads. And so the ten horns, uh, you know, they symbolize uh, ten empires. There's, a, there's really a lot of symbolism, which uh, we won't have time to get into too much. But what a certain church is that, um, that when the Antichrist comes, the chaos and... Anarchy is going to be unbelievable, unbelievable. And so that is why I think uh, when John is writing Revelation, he says, here's a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. Because there are going to be some who remain behind. And uh, in the tribulation, who used to be believers, um, or perhaps they heard the word of God while they were going through the tribulation. and you know, and the only way that they're going to get saved is through death, because anyone who utters the name of Christ during this time is to be killed uh, on the spot. And so, you know, it, it'll be a terrible time, not just for believers, but when war breaks out, when all the famine hits, it, it's definitely not going to be fun. And so... Uh, <clears throat> And so after that, we see a second beast, uh, and the second beast is thought to be a, a religious leader, a religious figure that's going to come right after the Antichrist, and he's going to support him. He's going to be a, he's going to be performing miracles in the Antichrist's name. So uh, how this might look like, um, you know, it uh, we know that the Antichrist will sit in the, the temple in Jerusalem excuse me, um, and he'll perform many signs and many wonders there, and so he will be assisted by the second beast, which is, like I said, probably going to be a religious leader. Uh, healings might take place, and fire from the sky, from the, from the sky might descend, uh, and so this is going to fool the people into believing that, yeah, this, this might actually be the Christ. But Jesus said, let no one be deceived, right? Let no one be deceived. No one is the Christ until you see him coming from heaven. He will not be man, but he'll, you, will, you will know when you see him descending from heaven with a mighty trumpet. Coming in all his radiance and splendor and his glory. You will know. Who Christ is. It won't be anyone here. And so. Church. Um, I pray that. You know that this. Um, this didn't 
this little study on the Antichrist didn't scare you. I I hope that uh, that rather than scare us, it it, um, it makes us reevaluate our relationship with Christ, and it makes us uh, it gives us, as I said, hope and encouragement to preach to those who aren't saved, but also for us that we may remain watchful and vigilant. Because the truth is, like I like we saw at the beginning of tonight, we don't know the day and we don't know the hour. No one but the Father alone knows. So if we are unprepared, we're not, guess what? We're not going to go to heaven with Jesus. We're going to stay here. And we're going to have to suffer through this. And the only way that we can reconcile ourselves with God is to go through, to go through the whole tribulation and be killed for be martyred for his cause. And so uh, be watchful, church. Be vigilant, as the Lord commanded us to do. You know, if, um, you know, you know that you're going to have guests over, but you don't know what time, you're going to have the house cleaned, right? Your house is going to make sure it's swept, it's mopped. You're going to make sure that everything's tidy and order to make sure that there's food, right? So let's have the houses that are in our hearts prepared for when the Lord comes. Uh, later on in Revelation, we, we see that John says, the spirit and the bride say, come, come, Lord. Um, the Greek word for that is Maranatha, come, Lord. We're waiting, we're expecting, Lord, to for you to free us from all the suffering that's going on in our world right now and waiting for your glory, for you your kingdom to come and save us once and for all and so uh that's what i have for you this evening church i pray y'all were blessed and i hope you're encouraged to read a little bit more about it uh <coughs> excuse me so a couple of announcements before we end tonight's study uh let's see it's a super exciting one. We're coming back indoors on October 10th. So that's super exciting. Um, uh, can't wait for that day to come and to finally come into our new sanctuary. You know, we, you know the Nehemiah project was a great success. And despite a pandemic, the Lord provided. And, and man, I'm excited. I'm sure we all are to go back into our sanctuary. Uh, secondly, a uh, big thank you to our volunteers who have signed up for our nursery uh, and toddlers ministry. Uh, <clears throat> we thank you, but we we still need more volunteers, you know, to help to plan, to help take care of the kids, to organize. And so if you're interested in being a part of this ministry, um, go ahead and talk with uh our sister Rita Canales, our pastor Rita Canales, and she'll set you up. Uh, we also need more children's ministry volunteers for, for Sunday school. So if you're interested in, in helping uh, in helping our, our children's ministries, go ahead and reach out to sister Melinda Talavera. Um, and let's see, I believe that's all the announcements we have. So church, uh, let's pray to dismiss. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
thank you. Thank you for, for your salvation. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for your love, for your grace, for your mercy, Lord, that where sin abounded, Lord, your grace abounded even more. And it is because of that immense grace, Lord, that you will spare us from, the, from that coming wrath, Lord. Thank you for covering us with your precious blood and wiping our slate, making it as white as snow so that we may enter your dwelling up in heaven, Lord. I pray, Lord, for those souls who have yet to hear of your gospel, Lord, that you would raise up a generation, Lord, that you would encourage us to rise up and to preach your word to those who don't know you so that they may receive, Lord, of all the blessings that you have, Lord, so that they may rejoice in that great day when you finally return for us. And Lord, I pray that you give us spiritual discernment to know all the signs, Lord, and to stay watchful and alert, Lord, ready for your return, ready for when you come back, Lord. We're expecting, Lord, and we love you and we praise you and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Alrighty, church. God bless every single one of you. See you Sunday, 9 a.m. or Spanish, 11 a.m. God bless you all.